Matthew chapter 25. The theme this month for our stewardship is investing in the bank of heaven. Well, the big question is, is there a bank in heaven? And obviously not, because there are no crooks in heaven to take your money. So we don't need a bank in heaven, do we? It's a figurative way of saying that um, we can give in this life, and in, in doing so, we can invest in the next life. It's a way of saying that we're to have, as Christians, an eternal perspective, that we view life differently than the world views life. And in Matthew chapter 25, there's a wonderful parable given by the Lord Jesus Christ. It, in my opinion, is one of the two or three best texts in the Bible regarding this matter of stewardship. And it's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in red in your Bible, if you have a red-letter Bible, meaning spoken directly by our Savior. And today the subject is four things that you must know about stewardship. Four things you absolutely must know about stewardship. And I hope I can get through all four of them. But if I don't, I'll pick up them up later. In a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to have three more things that you need about stewardship. <laughs> so one way or the other, we're going to have about seven or eight things about stewardship. Four things you must know about stewardship. And usually I have you stand and read the Scripture, but I'm going to do a little exposition of the Scripture. So you may remain seated today as I read, beginning in verse 14, Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven, just stop right there and think about that phrase. What is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is a spiritual kingdom. It is the realm of where Jesus Christ is king, where he is Lord, and where he is Savior. The kingdom of heaven is the sphere or the dimension where Jesus Christ is honored and reverenced and obeyed, where his word is the ultimate authority. And I want to quickly add, the kingdom of heaven is entered by a new birth. Everybody is not in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And he said later, except a man be born again, he will never see the kingdom of heaven. And so you won't ever enter it. You, you enter it through the new birth. You're not automatically in to the kingdom of heaven in that sense. Now in verse 14 again, the kingdom of heaven is as a man. Who is that man? That man is the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to make a note there in your Bible. And he traveled into a far country, and that country is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ coming to this earth, the incarnation, Christmas time that we're about to share in right now. So this spiritual dimension is like the Lord who came into our country or into our world and he called his own servants. And I want you to note that word own, his own servants. And who are his own servants? They're Christians. They're God's people. They're the born-again saints of this earth. And notice what he did. 
He delivered unto them his goods. He delivered unto them his goods. Note the word his. They are his own servants, and they are his goods that he delivers unto them. In other words, those goods are called talents in verse 15, and to one he gave five talents. So goods and talents here are referring to the same thing. He gave one of his servants five talents. He gave another of his servants two talents. And to another one, he gave one talent. So we have different people here receiving differing talents, different amounts of his goods. And in verse 15, it says something else. He gave to them, to every man according to his several ability. So God recognizes that we're not the same, that we have different capacities, that we have different abilities, and he gave according to those capacities. There's no socialism here in the Bible. This is people are different, and God, who created us, recognizes those differences and gave us these talents, these goods, these things accordingly, if you will. And then he took his journey, and notice that uh, he went away, and the Lord has gone away and left talents and goods and stewardship responsibilities with us, with his servants. Now, in verses 16 through 18, we see a description of how these people, these different people, used these abilities. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same. So he invested, if you will and made five more talents. So he doubled the original gift that the Lord had given him. He now has 10 talents. And notice, if you will, in verse 16, he that received two, he gained other two. He doubled his talents. He developed himself, and now he has four. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid, and notice again, It's not his money, it's his Lord's money, his Lord's money. And this man received this one talent according to his several ability. Notice he did nothing with it. He did absolutely nothing with it. It doesn't indicate that he even attempted to do anything. He didn't try. He just hid the talent in the ground. And so... Verse 19 says, after a long time, notice there, circle with me the word time, because that's vital to stewardship. After a long time, the Lord came back to the earth, came back to these servants. It's been a long time since he left now, hasn't it? 2,100 years. But the master has promised us he's going to come again And we are going to be accountable for our stewardship at that point. And so the Lord returned, speaking of the Lord's return to the earth in the final days here. But he gave them a long time. I want to emphasize that verse 19. He gave them a long time. He gave them a lifetime. He's given me a a lifetime. He's given me a long time 
to do whatever I'm going to do in the world, in the realm of stewardship. Verse 19, look at the last part of it. And when he returned, he reckoned with them. And you and I would say, he asked them for an accounting. He asked them to tell him what they had been doing with his goods, with his talents. And so stewardship always involves accountability, accountability. And here's their answer, verse 21. Uh, Well, verse 20. So he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five more. He's doubled what God gave him to work with in his lifetime. And the Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And notice the proportionality here. I gave you a little. You have been faithful over a few things in life, but now I'm going to make you ruler over many. And notice the contrast, few and many, few and many. And then the man that received two talents, verse 22, came and said, Lord, you gave me two talents, and behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. The Lord says the same thing to the man who was faithful with two talents that he says to the man who was faithful with five talents. In other words, they received an entirely different apportionment of goods and services, and yet the Lord rewards them the same because they were equally diligent. They were equally, equally responsible. And what does the Lord say in verse 23? The very same words he said in verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things, and if you're faithful in a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Now, that word ruler is really interesting. And I've mentioned this to you before. When Joseph Tan was here and preached for us, the Romanian preacher, he has a whole theology, a whole thing where he believes that in this life, God is preparing us for future positions in eternity. And he believes that's the most important thing about stewardship, that God gives us these opportunities, these talents, these goods, these opportunities of life. And the way that we use those opportunities in this life will establish our position in the kingdom in the future when we reign and rule with the Lord. And he takes part of that from that word ruler there. You have been faithful in a few things on the earth, but if because of your faithfulness in things, I will make you ruler over much, much more. Boy, what a thought that what I do with my life in this world is going to determine my position and my opportunities in the next world when we rule with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in verse, so in verse 21 and 23, you see that the master rewards the faithful servants. But we go down to verse 24, there's another man. He that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man. Now, there's no reason for him to say that. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. In other words, he's inferring 
and uh, uh, that the Lord is not even faithful or not even fair with him. And so he said, I was afraid, and I went and hid my talent in the ground. I did nothing with it. And lo, there thou hast that is thine. Here it is. I'm giving it back to you. The Lord answered and said to him, now, not well done, good and faithful servant, but thou wicked and slothful or lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. If you really thought that, you ought to have put my money to the changer's stop. In verse number 14, he calls it good. The Bible refers to the gift as being goods. In verse 15, it's referred to as talents. But here in verse 27, the word is money. The talent involved money. You knew you ought to put my money to the exchangers, and at my coming, I would have received my own with usury or interest. Take, therefore, the talent from this man who did nothing with it, and give it unto him who was the most productive, ten talents. Reverse income distribution. <laughs> to be current, <laughs> a little reverse income distribution. Well, y'all don't find that so funny, but I do. I have my own sense of humor here, so. <laughs> okay, take from him and give it to him that hath ten. For unto every one that hath shall be given. And he shall have abundance, but with him that hath not, he shall be taken away. It shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable steward or servant into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, what a powerful, powerful story. And it contains every element of the, this subject of stewardship. Lesson number one this morning understand what I'm talking about when I talk about stewardship, because though I preach, I have preached on it every year, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page mentally here and understand it. What is a steward? When we use the word stewardship, we're talking about stewards. What is a steward? You may want to write this definition down because it's at the very heart and core of what the Christian life is about. A steward is a person who manages the property or the affairs of someone else. A steward is one who manages. Think of, think of a steward as a manager. And so a man or a woman manage a bank up the street here. They, don't, they probably don't own that bank, but they manage that bank. They oversee the property that belongs to someone else. And you could just multiply illustrations on that. As a pastor, God has given me the opportunity to be the steward over a ministry. I don't own the church. I'm managing the affairs of the Lord and the affairs of you people who come here and support this ministry with your time and your talents. Notice in the parable, he gives different people different talents. We're not all the same. Stewards, some people manage one thing and some people manage another thing. He gives them to us in differing amounts. But get this, we all have the same responsibility. The man who had five talents and the man who had two talents and the man who had one talent 
all of them had the same responsibility to take the talents and goods and money and possessions and all that was given unto them and to use that for the benefit of the master. And so whether you're a one-talented man, a two-talented man, or a five or ten-talented person, we have the very same responsibility. The job description is the same. Take what God has given it, given to us, and multiply it, and deploy it, and use it, and develop it in the work of his kingdom. Now, the talents that he speaks of here, he refers to them as goods, and as talents, and as money, and different, the, the, the scripture refers to these talents in different ways. So what is a talent? You may want to write down this because I really want you to get this. A talent is any God-given ability or possession whereby a Christian can glorify God. A talent is any ability or thing that we possess that we can use to glorify God. And so we can use our employment opportunities to glorify God. A talent, any ability or possession or opportunity or relationship that God has given us to glorify Him. And so over here, our orchestra plays their instruments to the glory of God. And Sunday school teachers teach the Word of God to the glory of God. And the choir sings. But some of you go to work tomorrow, and I don't want you to forget that what you're doing tomorrow on the job can be used to glorify God just as much as the people singing in the choir. This idea of talent just being things that we display publicly at church, let's don't get on that. That's, 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 that's a wrong view of this. So talent, any God-given ability that we have been given to glorify Him. Some of you have leadership. Do you think of that as a stewardship responsibility? Some of us have some influence. Are we thinking about using that influence for the glory of God? Some of us have a position in life, and you can use that position for the glory of God. You're a, a nurse, and that gives you an opening to go into a room and to talk to people and minister to people. Let's, let's get a broad definition of what it means to be a steward. God has given some of us an opportunity for an education or for knowledge in a specific field or a skill set that we have. Are we thinking, I have a stewardship with those things. Those things are not mine to grasp. Those are things that God has given me to use for His glory. He's given us time. We all have time. In fact, we all have the very same amount of time, whether we ever want to acknowledge it or not. And we have money, and we have possessions. Do we think of that? This is a stewardship. God has gifted me and given me these things. Am I thinking specifically and intentionally how I might use every part of my life for Him? Some of you have a gift of ministry and you use it wonderfully. Some of us have the gift of hospitality. Do you know the Bible lists hospitality as a spiritual gift? And there are people who open their homes 
and they are hospitable people. They greet, and they, you've been around them for a few minutes, and you feel like they love you. That's a gift. That's a stewardship to be able to use that to encourage other people and to build them up. And our relationships are a stewardship responsibility. Back there sits my wife, Norma. You know what? God gave her to me as my wife. She's not mine. She's God's daughter. Now, gentlemen, go home and think about your wife like that. She's God's daughter. And you treat God's daughter the way that father will be pleased. And you'll be a good husband, and a lot of those marital problems will work out. And God gave us three children. At times, I wanted to give some of them back. But on the other hand, he gave them to to us as a stewardship. Parents, do you think about those children are a stewardship responsibility? And they will be a stewardship responsibility too, by the way, until until they see you into the grave. That never ceases. And they're not my children, though I use that terminology. They're the Lord's children. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Boy, does that elevate parenting to a different level. I hope you get the idea that life is stewardship. You came to church, some of you, thinking, oh, my, I'm going to go hear hear old Bill today talk about he's going to get in my pocketbook, and I'm going to leave my wallet at home this morning. I don't want to, he's going to raise money. No, I want us to get a broader definition. There's a danger of defining stewardship to where it just becomes cheap fundraising. And it's not that at all. Life is stewardship. Verse 14 says it's our goods. Verse 15 says it's our talents. Verse 19 says it's our time. Verse 22 says it's our money. And I can go to other places in the Bible and give you more on that. We don't have time. Number two. So we understand what stewardship is. A steward is one who manages the property or or the affairs of another, and God has given us all these things that we're to manage. Two, the foundation of stewardship is the fact that God is the owner of it all. Now, you've heard me say that in the past, but let me drive that nail a little deeper in the board here for you today. The foundation of stewardship is the principle of God's ownership. Look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 here. The kingdom of heaven is as a man, the Lord, traveling into a far country who called his own servants. The servants belonged to him. He delivered unto them his goods. The goods belonged to him. Over in verse number 27, put my money to the exchangers. The money belongs to him. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to the Lord. In Genesis chapter 14 and verse 9, just jot down the verse. You don't have time to turn there. Abraham is talking about the Lord, and he's describing the Lord. And here's what he says. He describes God as the most high God, listen, the possessor of heaven and earth. The possessor of heaven and earth. Now, if you're the possessor of heaven and earth, you own it all, do you not? 
You own it all. Proverbs chapter 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, everything in it, and all they that dwell therein. God owns it all. And boy, if we could get hold of that today, ladies and gentlemen, it would change our whole attitude about being a good steward of the Lord. I want you to just keep your finger there in Matthew 25, but I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 for just a moment because there's a phrase there that is absolutely dynamite in its truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and Paul is here talking about stewardship back in verses 1 and 2, and we get down to verse number 7. And in the middle of the verse... I'm not even going to read the whole verse, but just look at the middle of it, the second clause. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? What do you have in life that you did not receive as a gift from God? And I can tell you, nothing, nothing, nothing. Were it not for the life that God gives me, I wouldn't be here today. I bury people all the time now who are younger than me. And you know what I think about? Boy, every day is a gift from God, life itself. And then what about health? Because there's a hundred of our brothers and sisters today that would be here. They can't be here. They're ill in some capacity. And so health itself, I know we contribute to it through diet and exercise and all that, but health itself, stop and think about that. That's a gift from God. That's a gift of the Lord. And you can just go right on down the line. A sound mind. I prayed and thanked the Lord for that a while ago because I know so many people who don't have that. They don't realize they don't have it. And so we thank the Lord if we can just reason and if we can just think, right? You ever thank the Lord that he's given you a spirit? The Bible says we don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of a sound mind. Have you ever thanked the Lord? Lord, I can think clearly. I can still remember the multiplication table or most of it with a calculator. A sound mind. So many, and all the possessions that we have, all of those things, God owns it all. Put it down. There's not one thing in this world I can put my hand on and say, it's mine. It's mine. Because the Bible says it all belongs to him. He is the possessor of heaven and earth. The third point I would make is the focus of stewardship. The focus of stewardship. Number one was understanding stewardship. Number two, the foundation of stewardship is that God owns it all. That's the foundational thought. And thirdly is the focus. Verse 19, stewardship focuses on time. After a long time, the Lord cometh. And so the focus is He gave these people time. He's given you and me time, hasn't he? Oh, Ben Franklin, his autobiography, I've read it over and over in my life. 
And he talks in there about time, very philosophically, very powerful. And Franklin said, dost thou love life? Do you love life? Then do not squander time, for time is the stuff that life is made of. How profound. Do you love life? Then do not squander time, for time is the stuff the substance that life is made of. I was talking on the phone with a pastor friend of mine this week, early in the week, Kelly McInerney from Ohio. And Kelly said, I just got back from up in Michigan. My nephew, my sister's son, very close to, and he just graduated from the Michigan Highway Patrol Academy, graduated from Michigan State and took a job with the Highway Patrol fine young man, but he said he rented him a home up in northern Michigan in the Upper Peninsula, and he's up there living in his house, single young man. So I took him to lunch after the graduation. Well, nephew, what are you going to do with your life? Well, I don't exactly know. I took this job right now. Well, do you have any plans to get married? Do you have a girlfriend? Well, no, I don't have a girlfriend. Well, what do you like to do? And What are your plans? He said, I couldn't get one single thing out of him. And finally, he said, I said, well, what do you do? What do you do with your life? He said, well, I work on the highway patrol, and I go home, and I play Xbox till I go to bed. I play Xbox. There's nothing wrong with Xbox, I don't think, or most of it. That's not my point. But the point is to live so purposelessly, to live and waste your life, to squander your time and not value it as a gift from God. My time belongs to the Lord. A wise man said, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note, but today is ready cash and spend it wisely and spend it well. Value your time. You know the most common excuse people give to me as a pastor why they don't serve the Lord? Well, I don't have time. So I did a little research for you. I actually took a 2015 calendar and looked at it the other day in preparation for this message and thought, I'll help people out with their time. Pastor, I don't have any time. Well, I checked it. You know what? There's going to be 365 days in our year next year. I checked the months. Every month either had 30 or 31 days. And I checked the weeks, and every week next year, guess what? It's going to have seven days. And every day is going to have 24 hours. You know what I'm telling you? You have all the time there is. There just ain't any more. We all have that same allotment of time, do we not? So it's not really a matter of time. It's a matter of how we prioritize that time, is it not? If we look at that time, this is God's gift to me. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom, Psalm 90 and 12. Ephesians 5, 16 says, redeem the time, buy it back, because the days are evil. And we must squeeze every moment we can 
that God has given us. What else is the focus of stewardship? Verse number 27, it's money. Money. I'm not going to talk much about money today, but I do want you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy. I want to show you, again, a very powerful, powerful principle. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, and this is something I'm afraid even Christians often forget. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Here it is. For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. It is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Some people have a great gift to make money. Others, not so much. But whatever your ability to earn money It's a God-given thing. It is God who gives us the power to get wealth. And again, he gives us the life. He gives us health. He gives us the mental faculties. He gives us the opportunity for our business or our profession, whatever it may be. God gives us the power to get wealth. And hear me. The way we spend our money is probably the surest and truest measurement of our value system. I could take your calendar and where you spend your time, or you could do this for me. I could take your checkbook stub, and I would know everything I need to know about you and your character and where God fits into your plans, how we spend our money and how we spend our time. The third thing here it talks about is talent, verse 15. So the focus of stewardship is time and what we're going to do with our time, our money, how we're going to spend our money, and thirdly, our talents. Remember the definition of a talent, any ability that God has given us whereby we can glorify him. Friday, we had the funeral of Barbara Caudle. She and Lynn joined our church 25 years ago and uh, gave us, among other things, Rachel to teach in our school and Ryan to be our church administrator. And what a wonderful family. Talent, any ability that God gives you that you can use to glorify him. And I told the story in the funeral. Barbara began to work in the nursery back there, keeping the little babies, rocking them and just loving little babies from the time she joined the church until she was ill and could no longer do it. But Barbara did another thing she didn't have to do as a nursery worker. She did it because she understood a, a stewardship principle. She made blankets for the little newborn babies. And so a young couple would come in and say, hey, we're expecting a baby or here's our brand new baby. Barbara would make them a little pink blanket for a little girl and a little blue blanket for the little boys. Through the years, Barbara called without any fanfare, out of her own pocket, she made a baby blanket for literally hundreds of little babies. A lot of you have a blanket in the closet because a woman used a simple ability to glorify God and show love and concern to other people. Any ability. 
fits in the stewardship category. And so Barbara died, and um, Lynn's oldest sister's 91 years old. She lives in Indiana. And believe it or not, she came down for that funeral at 91. And she got here and checked into a motel, and she fell, and she badly hurt her arm. And she was taken to the emergency room and patched up, and they looked at her and felt like because of her age, I guess, they needed to observe her, and they kept her in the hospital all night. And the next morning, she's still in there, and they're doing some tests. And I, I called Ryan, and I said, Ryan, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm at the hospital sitting with my aunt. Well, do you know what? Ann Sasso and Carol Lowry found out and said, he doesn't need to be up here sitting with his aunt. His mother has died. He needs to be with his mom and his family grieving and going through the process. We will go. And so two of our ladies went up there and spent the better part of two days with this 91-year-old aunt. Stewardship. Any ability if it's sitting with an aged person in a hospital room, any ability that we can use to bring glory to God. And lastly and quickly, stewardship involves accountability. God rewarded the faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to multiply that and make you ruler over many things. But then this unfaithful servant, look in verse 26. The Lord calls him wicked. Wicked? He calls him lazy. Look in verse 30. He calls him unprofitable. I mean, it almost seems like the Lord is very, very hard on him, but the Lord doesn't make any mistakes. And in verse 30, notice he was cast into outer darkness outer darkness, that sounds like hell. And it is. Over, because he was not a good steward? No, it wasn't that at all. The man was not a thief. The man was not a murderer. The man was not an adulterer. What was his sin? He was a hypocrite. He was not a real Christian. It was an empty profession. He had no heart for his master or his master's business. None. So he did nothing about the master's business. And the fact of our accountability to God demands that we serve him and we serve him with excellence and we serve him with diligence. Stewardship involves diligence and accountability. So I would sum up the message this way. Life is stewardship. I can think of no better title for what life is about than to say, life is a stewardship. It doesn't belong to me. It is given to me by God to develop my talents and then to deploy my talents for the glory of God and the kingdom of heaven. And our heads are bowed.